Praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome to the Summit Internet Radio Podcast Show. I praise God for being here on today. Amen. Amen. We praise God for being back on the show. This is the show where you get your week started off right. This is the show where the gospel is told and not sold, y'all. I praise God for being with you guys on today. Um, we are back live on the air again. Uh, we took a couple months off um, due to uh, some health reasons. Um, we had to step away because of uh, health reasons. But we are back live on the air. And we are with you guys on today. I praise God for... Um, being here i praise god for um just being alive amen being um just being in the land of the living is a blessing amen uh praise god for just you know being able to celebrate uh we know that easter is coming um and we know that it is a blessing to be in the land of the living celebrating uh, the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ so we're going to talk about that today we are going to definitely definitely talk about it today and the questions are already uh, rolling in amen things are comments are already rolling in Uh, we got one comment here Um, glad to have you back on the show um, glad to have you back on the show. Um, glad to see the show's up and running again. Um, hope to uh, see in the near future better, bigger and better shows, as you already said. But we thank God for being here on today, and we thank God for the questions and the comments that come in every every uh, time we're on the air. Um, amen. Today we're going to be talking about the resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we're going to talk about the we're going to uh, talk about the centerpiece around the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ on today. We're going to get the true meaning of Easter, y'all. So um, stay tuned, stay stay locked in, stay tuned in uh, to the Summit Internet Radio Podcast Show. Um, while we're on a commercial break, grab you something. Uh, to drink, grab you something to eat, whatever. Um, And if you're driving, stay focused on your driving, but keep your ears locked in to the Summit Internet Radio Podcast Show. God bless you. I love you. And I will see you after this commercial break. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome back to the Summit Internet Radio Podcast Show. Um, I praise God for you guys. I praise God to uh, praise God for being here. Uh, This is your host, Adam Tuggle. Um, This is the show where you can get your week started off right. This is the show where the gospel is told and not sold, y'all. We praise God again uh, for being here. We also want to take this time before we get started to say thank you uh, to every single listener that has listened uh, to the Summit Internet Radio Podcast show. Uh, We have new listeners in various countries. 
um, we would like to thank uh, our our well we we don't want to name them I, I don't want to name them right now because um, the reason why is because we have so many uh, and I might forget some names but um, we want to thank every person from the United States to Canada to um, around the world um, that listen to the Summer Internet Radio Podcast Show. And we praise God for you guys. We we really, really do. We, we over here at the Summit, we thank God for you guys um, because you guys, like I say, um, every uh, show that we do... Um, you guys make the show you guys make the show we wouldn't be here without you guys and because of the help of the lord the lord gave us this platform to be able to bring you the word of god and and just the word and and encouragement and everything that goes with it so we thank god for you guys each and every one of you we thank god for our sponsors that are still with us i know i understand you might say well adam we haven't heard your voice in months where have you been um well i'm gonna explain that real quick um well you know what i'll explain it at the end of the show amen i'll explain it at the end of the show all right um but it is a big it's a big thing um the reason why we were not here um we have not been here for months and we had to uh, do some things and take care of some things. And so I'm going to explain that at the end of the show. But today we are talking about the meaning of Easter. And if I could title it, I mean, I know you see at the title, the meaning of Easter, but if I could title it, it would be his death gave life. His death gave life. And you might say, well, how did his death, those that don't know, those that know, you know why, those that don't know, you might say, well, how does his death, how does a person's death give life? Well, Jesus came into this world and his plan, God's plan was to die for the sins of mankind and the thing is the thing is this the thing is this let me let me break this down the reason why jesus died was for the sins of mankind amen he died so that we might have a life and that's not just saying natural life that's saying spiritual life mainly spiritual life because um eternity is a very 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 long time amen and the things that are going on in this world today we talk about them on the show we've talked about them before um the things that are going on in this world is showing us that is uh it's showing us that the coming of the lord is right at hand first of all we know that it's been talked about down through the ages that the rapture is going to take place, that the rapture is going to take place, that the rapture is going to take place. And everybody that's talked about it, everybody that says something about it, um, people might 
say, well, the rapture hasn't taken place yet, so why should I believe it? Y'all been talking about it for years. Y'all been talking about it for years. And throughout the ages, and, and the rapture still hasn't taken place. What's going on? Well, I'm here to tell you. God is giving us time to get ready. And you might say, well, he ain't came this time. Why, why should I believe that he's going to come now? Well, if you look at the signs of the time, the coming of the Lord is closer than it's ever been before. You might look at the age of the of the 90s, the 80s, uh, the 70s and the 60s, which I wasn't alive in the 60s and the in the 70s, but um, and and even the even the 50s and the 40s, things that happened back then are still taking place now but it's more it's more out there than it what it was back then back then in those uh errors in those errors it was more hidden you didn't see the vulgarness you didn't see the the shame spread so loosely you saw people having you know, shame in what they did. Now you don't see that much. And that's one of the signs of the times. And this is what Jesus came and died for. Because of our sins. And this is what the Lord gave to me. This is what this is what the Lord showed me. A lot of people say that, hey, um, and I've used this analogy before. A lot of people want almost everybody wants to go to heaven amen i understand this everybody wants to go to heaven a lot of preachers if they're preaching funerals they preach some of them preach people into heaven you can't do that that's not that's not what god said god said that you must be born again of the water and the spirit amen he told nicodemus you must be born again you got to be born again. The reason why he mentioned, the reason why Jesus mentioned about being born again is because we were all born and shaped in iniquity in the book of Psalms. Psalms, in the book of Psalms, it states that David was talking about being conceived in sin. He said, in, in sin did my mother conceive me. Amen. So, if we are conceived in sin, now this is what the Lord gave me. This is what the Lord showed me. If there is sin, if there's sin in the world, and God is holy, God is holy, he's a, he's a holy person, he's a holy being, everything about him is holy. There is no sin in him. There is no sin in heaven. Amen. Now, God gave me two analogies for this. All right. Number one, the first analogy is this. If now I know everybody wants to go to heaven. Okay. Everybody says they're going to heaven. Not true. Not everybody's going to heaven. Now, am I to say who is going to heaven? Am I to decide who is going to heaven? No, that's your job. That's my job. My job is to make sure I make it to heaven. 
Your job is to make sure you make it to heaven by doing what's in the word of God, being repenting, being baptized in Jesus name, um, being filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost, as it states in Acts 2 and 38. Now, Acts 2.38 cannot happen without the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is what? Easter. Amen? Now, why did Jesus... The main question is, for some people, is if Jesus died, why did he die? Why did he come? Why did he live? Why did he die? Okay, now, break this down real quick. Jesus came into the world... Okay, to save the sinner man because of the fall of Adam. Adam was the firstborn on the earth, as the Bible states. The reason why Jesus came, the main reason why Jesus came was to die for our sins. Okay, the reason why he died for our sins is because the first Adam, the first Adam, Adam we know as Adam and Eve both of those both of them Adam sinned when he disobeyed God of eating what did he do to disobey God God told him not to eat of the forbidden fruit okay now everybody everybody says that it was an apple some people say it was an orange whatever I don't care what it was God said don't eat from it okay I don't care what it was the Bible doesn't say what fruit it was but that's another story for another day the thing is is that God told Adam not to do something and he did it anyway okay he did the opposite of what God told him that is disobedience and the Bible says all disobedience is what sin okay so when Adam sinned it brought sin in the bloodline of mankind. This is why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. He was not. Now, Nicodemus thought that he was talking about a natural birth. He didn't he didn't quite catch the concept of what Jesus was talking about. OK, he thought he was talking about a natural birth. Jesus was not. Jesus was not talking about a natural birth. He was talking about a spiritual birth you coming out of sin okay me you and everybody that's been before us and 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 during the presence of our lives and after our lives all those that are far off that's who he was talking about he was talking about everybody now during the time of Jesus there was no Holy Ghost to be given out because Jesus hadn't died yet a lot of people say well you live by grace. Look, I understand this. We do. We're under the dispensation of grace. But a lot of people take grace for granted. They think that they can do and live however they want to and still have grace. Doesn't work that way. Let me show you something. The Bible says, must we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Grace is not a key for you to continue to sin just because Jesus died does not give you the permission 
to continue to sin. Jesus died so that you might come out of sin, not continue in it. Okay? And this is for everybody. This is for man, woman, boy, and girl. If you understand, now let me get this. Let me let me break this down. I know that it's been said down through the years that the age of accountability is 12 years old. Not so. For a child. Not so. The age of accountability counts for a child when that child understands right from wrong. That's why this goes for every man, woman, boy, and girl. Now, how do we know it goes for every man, woman, boy, and girl? Because this also goes for, now we know it goes for man, we know it goes for woman, a grown a grown man, a grown woman, an adult, you know, we know it goes for us. But what about children? Yes, it does. Jesus does count it for children. How do we know this? Because Jesus gave specific instructions to children as well. And in the book of Revelations, in the book of Revelations, John on the island of Patmos, he gave us an outlook on what he saw on the island of Patmos. He gave an outlook of what he saw. He said that he saw the dead, small and great. Okay? The dead, small and great means children. Small and great. That means adults, children, celebrities, all them. And he saw the books that were open. He saw the books open. And this is all found in the book of Revelations. You want to Google it? Go ahead. And what he what he saw was them being judged at the white throne of judgment. And they were sent to the lake of fire. This goes for children. Now, am I saying that everybody's going to hell? No, I'm not. But a lot of people don't preach hell anymore. They don't preach. Uh, they don't talk about heaven and hell no more they preach melodious messages where it's prosperity messages and there's nothing wrong with prosperity messages but when you talk about easter and you talk about the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ this is what this is referring to the death burial and resurrection is referring to keeping us out of hell that's what is that, that that's what's that's the main goal of his death burial and resurrection to keep us out of hell to keep man out of hell to deliver man from sin that's what it's here for this is why the Holy Ghost came um, in Acts 2 and 38 before he left before Jesus went off the scene he said if I do not depart the comforter will not come the comforter which is the Holy Ghost is his spirit He wants to live inside of us. We have to have his spirit to be able to go to heaven. You can't live with his spirit on the inside of you. And we are doing anything that we're big and bad enough to do. It doesn't work that way. Amen. And 
Jesus specifically told us that his spirit does not dwell in an unclean place. Light and darkness have no fellowship. That's what the Bible says. That means clean and unclean do not dwell together. If you're unclean, if I'm unclean, he does not dwell in us. For example, do you like going to a dirty uh, person with a dirty house? Hmm, makes you think, don't it? Do you like to dwell in a dirty house? No. I mean, I like my house clean. Amen? I don't like to sit in a dirty house. And if anybody that likes to sit in a dirty house, I, I kind of wonder. But that's the way Jesus is. He doesn't do it. He doesn't want his spirit just dwelling in any 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 place in anybody. You might say, well, Jesus is loving. He dwells everywhere. Yes, he does dwell everywhere. He's omnipresent. But he get his glory, his his power and his glory and his in his spirit is so great and it's so royal. Why would you want his spirit to dwell in an unclean place? Well, you as an individual, me as an individual. Why would you want sin in heaven? I'm going to ask you this. Why would you as a person, if you're invited somewhere, if you're invited to a, a, a fancy, fancy place, okay? And, and this is just an example. Say you're invited to a fancy, nice hotel, okay? And somebody gives you an invitation to an, to stay at a nice resort or a nice hotel or whatever. I mean the top of the line. And I mean top of the line. I'm not talking about no no roach coaching or nothing like that. I'm talking about top of the line. Five star. Six star. Seven star. Okay? And they offer you this and they, they give you the invitation. They give you the paperwork to stay at this hotel. And you got people that are not that are not acting right in this hotel. And they're messing with people and 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 knocking on people's doors, playing knicker knocker. Y'all ever play knicker knocker as a child? You know what that is. Some of y'all know what that is. You got people running down the hallways and all this stuff, being disruptive in the hotel and everything. And you trying to sleep. That wouldn't be too pleasant, would it? That wouldn't be too pleasant, would it? Well, that's the same thing with heaven. And that's the same thing with sin. Sin is not welcome into heaven. Sin is like that unknown thing not welcome into heaven. You have to have, you got to be VIP to get into heaven, okay? I'm going to use it like that. You got to be the most very important person to get into heaven very important very important person to get into heaven and guess what you might say well you don't need a VIP ticket to get into heaven oh yes you do you need the Holy Ghost you are very important look this is why I say VIP you were very important to God so much that he took your place he took your place on the cross because the Bible says the wages of sin is death the wages of sin that means if you commit sin there's a price to pay if I commit sin there's a price to pay okay 
So that price is death. We were separated. That's why I said earlier, Adam sin in the Garden of Eden. It separated man from God. That was the price. That was the sin debt price. He was not welcomed from into heaven with having sin on him. Now, the difference between from Genesis to Malachi to Matthew to Revelations is are from are from Acts to Revelations is the fact that hey from the day of Pentecost on up until now men must be baptized must repent and must be baptized in Jesus name and must be filled with the Holy Ghost the difference between then back then and up until up until the day of Pentecost was from Adam up until the day of Pentecost there was no Holy Ghost to be given okay and they lived by faith okay part of that Jesus hadn't died yet that's why we can say the man on the cross that asked for forgiveness on the cross he went to heaven because there was no Holy Ghost to be given he wouldn't be able to even receive the Holy Ghost because number one um the man on the the thief on the cross would have died before the Holy Ghost was even given out anyway because the Holy Ghost was given out on the day of Pentecost the day of Pentecost didn't happen until uh, later okay so he would he made his calling and election sure because they lived by faith but we have a they didn't have the power that we have today which is the Holy Ghost the spirit of God living on the inside of us this is what Jesus died for this is what the meaning of Easter is his death gave us life okay his death gave us life and it was and it was his death his burial his resurrection that gave us life okay it was his death his burial his resurrection that gave us right to the tree of life it was his death his burial his resurrection that gave us the ticket to make it to heaven but we as people must take was hold out our hand in the spirit and collect our ticket which is repentance being baptized in Jesus name and be filled with the Holy Ghost it's plain and simple and living a holy life we must live a holy lifestyle in every area of our lives this is what Jesus came and died for. This is what the meaning of Easter is. Okay? This is what the meaning of Easter is. It's not about the Easter bunny. It's not about the Easter bonnets. It's not about the candy and the Easter chocolate and all of that. It's not about that. What it is about, though, it is about him. It's about him 
coming on this earth, his sole purpose was to die for the sins of mankind. That's it. Now, he performed miracles. He did marvelous wonders. He he obeyed uh, the work of in the plan. But that was to be an example for us. That was to show that he can do all things but fail for us. The miracles, the obedience, the 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 um, the the miracle signs and wonders. This is all was in his plan. But the main focus is his his death, burial, and resurrection. This is why Jesus was born. This is why he came to earth. Amen. And you might say, well, it was for him to be with us. He was with us. He was there for us, even when we didn't even understand that he was there for us. When he came into the world, he was there for us. So we, as people, we need to understand that we must, we must, we must understand that Jesus' sole purpose was to come and to die, to save his death saved us from our sins. Okay. His death gave life. Want proof? Here's the proof right here. Matthew 1 and 21. And she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's all it, that's it in a nutshell. And you want more proof? Matthew tw- Matthew 1 and 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God was with us when he died on the cross he was there for us he was like that father that is supposed to be there for his children for example if my sons look my sons my sons say they need things all the time I provide their needs and some of their wants okay but I, I tell my boys this all the time, and this is just an example to, to, to show. As a father, it is not my job to give you everything you want. And I've told my sons this. I've told all three of my boys this. It's not my job to give you what you everything that you want. Okay? But it is my job to give you everything that you need, such as clothes, shelter, food, shoes on your feet um, a roof over your head making sure that you're well healthy enough to um, you know do the things that you need to do uh, get you an education make sure you're in school make sure you're well behaved make sure you make sure you become a, 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 a successful man that's my job as a father amen and that's what Jesus did for us that was his job to make sure that we had right to heaven. Because 
You are VIP to Jesus Christ. A very important person. That's why you need your ticket. And the ticket is repentance and being filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost and living a holy and safe life. That's it. That's it all in it in a nutshell. This is what the meaning of Easter is. But let me ask you this. And, and I want to pose this on you because this is what the Lord gave me. And it made perfect sense. I was um, doing some cleaning in my house and and sometimes I will be talking to the Lord on the inside and sometimes my wife will be sitting there and I'll and I'll blurt, oh man, that, that makes that makes sense. She'll be like, what makes sense? I'm like, I'm talking to the Lord right now. She'll be like, oh, okay. But it made sense when the Lord gave to me if okay if we see people okay we know that sin is on the earth okay people sin every day but you don't have to sin okay the only thing you have to do and the only thing I have to do is receive the gift of the Holy Ghost the way the Bible says and let the power of God move and manifest in our life and we can live holy this is what he came and died for now and this is the analogy that the Lord gave me there are some preachers and some people that believe that um, if you if you live a morally good life that you're going to that you're going to heaven. Not so. Because being morally good is not good enough. Okay? Yes, you can be a morally good individual. And I'm going to say this. You can be a morally good individual. And still. And I'm so, and I don't apologize when I say it. But the Bible did not say you can live a morally good life and go to heaven. Okay? If you are not saved, and you might say, well, I live a morally good life, I'm saved. No. If you have not received the Holy Ghost the way the Bible says, then you have not been washed of your sins. And you must be born again. Now, does that make you less of a person because you haven't yet? No. Does that make... Does... And you might say, well, you just said no, then I'm okay then. No, you're not. No, I'm not. If I'm living, if I don't have my sins washed away, it's like me um, getting ready for a big a big celebration and me not taking a bath. Getting ready for it. I came in, like if I go to a, 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 a an all-white um, celebration and when I mean all white I mean they're wearing all white white suits and it's a classy celebration and everything and then you know how they said they have them all white parties where you do wear nothing but white well if I if I just got off from work and I come in there with my and I ain't took no shower you know to get all the work 
work dust and everything off of me and all this stuff and I come in there with my work clothes on I'm still dirty I don't need to be up and then they may not let me in there because they they're like hey wait a minute you ain't you ain't even came with the requirements that we asked you to come with we asked you to wear all white we asked you to come in your in your white suit or or in your you know your nice suit and everything and you wearing your work clothes and you still smelling like work and still smelling like the job what's going on that's the same thing with heaven okay we have to be spiritually clean and the only way to receive spiritual cleanness and um, to get to that spiritual cleanness is repentance being baptized in Jesus name, and being filled with the Holy Ghost that is the only way to receive spiritual cleanness and live in a holy lifestyle. Now, are we going to make mistakes down through our lives? Yes. Yes. But don't waddle in the mistake. Don't lay in the mistake and keep making the same mistake. Because if you keep making the mistake, eventually that's not going to be a mistake. That's going to be a lifestyle. Okay? You know if you are... If you are able-bodied to comprehend right from wrong, this is why I say the age of accountability is not 12 years old. The age of accountability is when you understand right from wrong. Okay? Once you understand right from wrong, once you know what right is and once you know what wrong is, then you're accounted for that. Okay? You account for that. It, it goes on you. Jesus looks at you. Whether you saved or not, he's not going to... Look, he ain't going to take... Um, and I'll use me, for example. If I'm if I'm standing there before God and the Lord asks me, why'd you do this? Oh, I did that because my wife told me, no, he ain't going to look at... He ain't going to take the excuse of your wife your wife ain't standing here or vice versa he ain't gonna take uh your husband didn't do my husband didn't do that no 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 you standing here not your husband not your wife not your kin folks not your mama not your daddy not your aunts or your uncles your sister or your brothers you he want to know why you did that and you have to give an account for that. I have to give an account for that. Okay? For every deed that we did on this earth, for every deed that we've done on this earth, we have to give an account for. Okay? And it's better for us to be looked at right now than to be judged at the white throne of judgment. Because the white throne of judgment... It, it's not a it's not a good thing. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put it that way. It's not a good thing. All right. So, at the end of the day, we must understand that Easter is not about us. Uh, you know having Easter bonnets and Easter baskets and all that and doing Easter eggs, which is fun. There's nothing wrong with it. 
there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying to condemn it, but that's not the true meaning of Easter. That's not what Jesus came and died for. He didn't die for Easter clothes. He could care less if you wear a suit or not. But he died. And look, this is the main source of why he died. Because of your soul. Because of my soul. Your soul is the most important thing that you have on the face of this earth. Your soul and my soul is going to spend eternity somewhere. Now this body, this old more uh this old fleshly body, it's going back to the ground from which it came. But your soul is what's living to help your soul is what's helping you live on this earth. This is why you have a spiritual side to life because of your soul. The Bible says, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What will you give in exchange for your soul? Is it an addiction? Is it money? Is it fame? Is it fortune? Is it your job? Is it your husband? Is it your wife? And I'm going to go deeper than that. Is it your children? There is nothing important. There is nothing in this world that is important more than your soul. There is nothing more important in this world than you making it to heaven. Than your soul spending eternity in heaven. Because this earth is on borrowed time. The things in this world is living on borrowed time. But heaven in eternity, that's forever. That's forever. That is, that has no time limit. That's eternity. And guess what? Whether you believe it or not, you can now, you cannot, you cannot avoid eternity. Whether you, whether you or I spend eternity in heaven or in hell, we cannot avoid eternity. You cannot avoid your soul going to heaven or hell. You can't avoid it. You can't stop it. Can't do none of that. So you can't avoid that. You can't avoid eternity. But what you can avoid, which the Lord has helped us by his death, burial, and resurrection, you probably, you won't be able to avoid eternity, but you can avoid going to hell. And I'm just going to put it bluntly. We can avoid going to hell by receiving his salvation that he has planned for us. This is why Jesus died. Amen. We're going to take a commercial break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about the meaning of Easter. Amen. So get ready. 
Um, stay buckled up because we're going to come back. I'm going to finish uh, talking about the meaning of Easter, y'all. Amen. God bless you. I love you in Jesus name. We will see you after this commercial break in Jesus name. God bless you. Praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome back to the Summit Internet Radio Podcast Show. I am your host, Adam Tuggle. Yes, this is the show. To get your week started off right, this is the show where the gospel is told and not sold, y'all. Yes, we are back live right here on the show, and we are talking about the meaning of Easter. Now, I said at the uh, start of the show that I was going to uh, talk about, before we jump back into this, I said that we were going to talk about um, why the summit has been off the air for a little bit. Um, And I'm going to do this briefly because I'm not going to go into a big spill about it. But um, because of COVID and because of the things that we had to do, we had to uh, shut down um, the station for a little bit because um, we had to do some things for um, to get uh, to get back in line with you know guidelines and stuff like that. So um, we had to shut down the station, but we are back um, on the air again, and we will be doing our shows again. Because of what's been taking place because of COVID, um, we've had to stop and start, restart the the station. And I apologize for each and every person that's been wanting the summit to come back and wondering why we haven't been doing shows. And that's the reason, because we've been getting ready to come back on the air and doing things, getting in back in guidelines with the with every with every guideline there is with the CDC and stuff like that. So, um, we have taken full precautions of doing what we need to do in Jesus name. And we, um, want to make sure that all the guidelines are met before we jump back into this and all the guidelines are met. So we thank God for, um, making, making sure all the guidelines are met in Jesus name. So that's that's the brief summary of why the Summit Internet Radio Podcast has not been on the air in about, I'm going to say three months now, about three months. We have are two months that we haven't been on the air. We're sorry for that. We apologize because I've been getting emails. I've been getting texts. I've been getting letters about why the Summit hasn't been on the air why haven't been we why haven't we been seeing any new episodes or hearing any new episodes? That is the reason why. So Amen. But we're back. Amen. Um now we're gonna jump back into this um the meaning of Easter. Now, with that being said, this is a time to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I want to say this, um, I want to say that everything that we are doing is 
on this show and around the and ministering around the world um, is for the coming of the Lord. All right. We're doing this because Jesus has put it plainly that we must get his word out to every man, woman, boy and girl. Okay. And so this is what this this is what this is here for. Amen. And I say it a lot on the show. This is what the show is here for. To get his word out there. To get his word around the world. And uh, a couple years ago, um, this was prophesied over me that I would be ministering around the world and I thought at the at the at the time when it was first prophesied over me that I would be ministering around the world and all that stuff I thought I was going to be you know traveling around the world and ministering and I was like oh my god wait a minute at first I got and I'm gonna be honest I got scared because of it because I was like wait a minute lord now you know <laughs> <laughs> you know me and you know I don't mind doing what you tell me to do but going around the different countries and all this stuff and you know especially at the time I didn't know COVID hadn't even existed yet COVID you know all of this stuff hadn't happened yet when it was prophesied a couple months later and I've said this on the show before a couple months later I was given a a platform which was internet radio and unbeknownst to me I've always wanted to do radio and I'm giving this as a testimony again because it's nothing but the goodness of the Lord while we're doing this I was given an opportunity to be on a platform and I thank God for it um, to do internet radio and I'm thinking, wow, you know, this is something that I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to do uh, radio. This is something that I've always wanted to do. And my 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 thing was was that, hey, um, you know, the terms of the doing the radio show and all this stuff came into being and I was able to do it. Lord bless me to be able to do it. And I've been doing it ever since. And the Lord just had me transform my radio show into a podcast because people got, you know, were able to listen live and, you know, they're still able to listen live because we also have a live radio show that we do on Saturdays. Every Saturday we we do um, and it is on the Spirit of Live Network. Shout out to uh, Bishop uh, cook amen and the spirit of life uh, network team over there yeah we are uh, the summit has the summit internet radio podcast has partnered up with them to bring you uh, the bring you the the summit the summit with minister Adam Tuggle on Saturdays and we thank God for that in Jesus name um, but we thank God for the Summer Internet Radio Podcast, amen, that comes to you 
uh, every week. And so this is what this ministry is here for. This is what this is why we are here in Jesus name. I thank God uh, for doing this and thank God for coming every every week with different uh, topics to talk about. Um, and like I said, we 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 shut the radio station down because of COVID and things like that. And we've done a couple shows here and there because we, you know, we're trying to get into the realm of doing it every week again um, and everything. But we're still trying to do the CDC guidelines Still, still trying to match up with the CDC guidelines and everything. So bear with us as we get ready to come every week with different shows. But as I stated before, this is the true meaning of Easter. Jumping back into the topic. This is the true meaning of Easter. About this is what the true meaning of Easter is. Salvation. Making sure that we are sin free to make it to heaven. Because, and this is what the Lord showed me. If Satan was kicked out of heaven for disobeying God. You might say, well, how did he disobey God? He wanted to put himself above God. And God said that there is no other gods before me. There is nothing before me. There is going to be none after me. There is nobody in between, you know? So if there's none above him, and he don't want nobody above him, and he don't want nobody before him, or none after him, and he don't want his... He said that he won't give his glory to another. His praise and his honor that's due to him. If he don't want to give it to another person. And Satan was trying to put himself above God. He was trying to put himself. He was trying to run heaven. And he was kicked out. And I believe it was one third of the angels were kicked out too. So if they were kicked out. And if he was kicked out for trying to go against what God said. What makes you think that a person, a human being, that we would sin in our life cannot enter the kingdom of heaven? Now, Satan is a spiritual being, okay? And if he was kicked out of heaven for disobeying God, then who are we to be living any kind of way and think we're going to make it into heaven whether you be man woman boy or girl if we do not follow the guidelines that God has set his statues which is being born again of the water and the spirit as he told Nicodemus if we don't follow those those guidelines if we don't follow Acts 2 and 38 what makes you think that we're not going to make it to heaven This is what God said to do. And he said in his word, all disobedience is sin. And if sin was kicked out of heaven through Satan, because he disobeyed God by trying to, um, you know, put himself above him. And he said, I don't want no gods before me. That means he doesn't want nothing. He don't want nothing being praised above him. Then. And if Satan's trying to praise himself above God, 
in heaven, what makes you think that we're not going to heaven if we're not sin free? If we're not sin free, you might say, "Why, brother Adam or, or minister Adam? Hey, look, um, we all sin and fall short. Yes, we all sin and fall short, but we don't have to stay in it. And that's the thing. That's the thing. It is about you staying sin free. It's about making sure that your calling and election is sure. And if your calling and election is sure, then you'll be all right. You'll make it. And making sure that your calling and election is sure is by being set free. How do we get set free? Is by doing what Acts 2 and 38 says. And Acts 2 and 38 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then after you receive the Holy Ghost, as it states in Acts, Acts 1 and 8, it says, After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, then you shall have power. That power is to live holy. Amen? That power is to live right. That power is to help you live right. That power is to help me live right. That power is to not, is to help me not make the same mistake again. That power is to help us break the addictions. That power is to help us not run with the same crowd that helped us get into the trouble that we're in. That help, that power is to help us choose better friends, to choose to hang out with, 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 with the saints. To help us make better, good, sound decisions. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That'll help us make wiser decisions. To roll with the right people. To help us raise our children. So that we might glorify God in every area that we do. Because the Bible says in Colossians 3 and 17, whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. So whatever you do, you have to do it in honoring the name of Jesus. You must be, you must repent in Jesus name. You must pray in Jesus name. You must be baptized in Jesus' name. You must receive the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. We don't went over it. You can go back to other episodes and learn how to um, to learn how the Holy Ghost is given. To learn how how we're supposed to be baptized in His name. Amen. So these are the things that help us make it to heaven. We must pray in Jesus name. We must fast in Jesus name. We must read the word in Jesus name. We must live the word in Jesus name. And this is how we make it to heaven. Because he died because he thought you were very, that you were a very important person. And let me tell you this, just like my former pastor used to say, Pastor Dorothy J. McGordon used to say it all the time. If you were the only person on the face of the earth, 
he would have died just for you. That's how very important of a person you and I are. If I was the only person on the face of the earth, he would have done it just for me. If you were the only person on the face of the earth, he would have done it just for you. That's why I said VIP section of heaven. This is VIP to make it to heaven. Everybody ain't going. Everybody ain't going to heaven. Now you might say, well, I'm a very important person. So you're saying that people aren't very important. Everybody's not very important. Yes, everybody's very important to God, but everybody won't receive, receive it. Their ticket. Everybody's not going to take this great salvation. Some people take this great salvation lightly. Another, another scripture in the Bible. It states that he was uh, wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. That's not just talking about physical healing. Let's talk about spiritual healing too. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Our peace. Everything that we everything that we are everything that we went through is because is because and that was the time y'all um it is the time is now 9:36 a.m. a man here in Indianapolis, Indiana. So uh we praise God for the time. <laughs> um and this is what we're talking about the live show, man. Anything can happen. Um but we thank God for him dying on the cross. We praise God for the true meaning of Easter, y'all. But this is the this is what it is, y'all. This is what it is. Amen. But we thank God for being here on today. We praise God for this episode of the Summit Internet Radio Podcast being the true meaning of Easter. This is what the true meaning of Easter is. And this is for every man, woman, boy, and girl. You must be born again of the water and the spirit, just like Jesus told Nicodemus in the book of John. John chapter 3, verses uh, 1 through 5. St. John chapter 3 verses 1 through 5 he told Nicodemus by night by night he told him that you must be born again of the water and the spirit and being born again now this is what I say to people that say hey I was born this way I was born in whatever way you thought you were born in you got to be born again Amen. We were born in shaping in sin, okay? So we were born as sinners. And you, know, you did nothing wrong to be born as a sinner. But you got to have your sins washed away. And no sin can enter into the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to use this analogy and then we're going to get out of here. 
There are a lot of great basketball players. There are a lot of great football players. There are a lot of great sports players in general. But very few make it to the Hall of Fame. Amen. You got to be great. You got to be the best to make it to the Hall of Fame. Amen. That's the same thing with heaven. You got to be the best. And God is not looking at what you have done, but God is looking at, have you been born again of the water and the spirit? Have you lived the life of a saint? Have you lived the best life you can while having the Holy Ghost? Because you know you're going to fall. You know you're going to make some mistakes. We know He knows that we're people. But we have to understand that we must come to Him through repentance. Are you, yes, are you living, have you been baptized in Jesus' name? Have you received the precious gift of the Holy Ghost? Have you repented and all of that? But also he's looking at, hey, have you tried to make an attempt to get it right? After you've done all that, have you made an attempt to stand for God? That's what he's looking at. Yeah, you messed up. Yeah, you yeah, you made a detour. But have you done it? Have you done the works to get it right? Have you done the things to make it right with him? Amen. That's what God is looking at. Yes, God looks on the heart. He said, well, you might say, well, God don't look at the out, uh, the outer man. God looks on the heart. Yes, he said in his word that he wants to take out that stony heart and put in a heart of flesh. He wants to take that heart that is clean, that is unclean. And he wants to take that heart out and put in a heart of flesh. He wants to clean you up. He wants to clean you up and make you right again in Jesus name. That's what the true meaning of Easter is, y'all. Amen. God bless you guys. I love each and every one of you. I hope you've enjoyed this show on today. God bless you. I love you. And as it states in Acts 2 and 38 again, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I like Acts chapter 2 verse 39 also. And this promise is unto you and unto your children and unto those that are far off many as the Lord thy God shall call. Amen. God bless you. I love you in Jesus name. This is the Summit Internet Radio Podcast Show. This is the show that gets your week started off right. This is the show where the gospel is told and not sold, y'all. God bless you. And I will see you all next week in Jesus name. God bless you. that's so hard and so problematic is we only have one shot at this. We file a case with the intention of taking it to trial and convincing 12 members of our community that this individual is guilty of murder. And that, that's the only shot we can get. If there's an acquittal, we can never try it again. Uh, so we want to make sure that we present the best case possible, we have the best evidence possible, and that we keep uh, everybody involved in the case uh, as an active participant. And, and again, I, a little bit of a broken record here, working hand-in-hand hand with the community is so important. As early as we can build that trust, we try to do so. We work with the IMPDs, homicide detectives, when, got a, when they've got a case going and they're ready to file it. 
it often results in a little more work on their part, maybe some things they hadn't thought about, certainly things we hadn't thought about as we get to uh, get ourselves up to speed on the case. And it's that partnership with IMPD that enables us to file these murder cases and to get justice for the family members. Uh, we're also uh, very attentive to the next of kin and the victim's family members. We have a fantastic um, victim's advocate staff at our office who do a wonderful job of maintaining contact and keeping those individuals updated about what's going on. We're usually meeting folks uh, to talk about one of the worst things, if not the worst thing that's ever happened to them or a family member. Those conversations, conversations are challenging, but they're important because one, we want to build trust, and two, we want to, we want to build a partnership. Uh, on every homicide case that we try, it's not just the prosecutors, it's the victim's advocate, it's the paralegals, it's the secretaries. There's an entire team of individuals just at the prosecutor's office uh, who are all working towards getting justice for your loved one who was murdered. Uh, the, so the team that, that is working on these cases from the moment the call comes in to uh, the crime scene specialists, to the coroner's office, to the chaplain's office, to victim assistance, we're all working towards the same goal, and that's to secure a conviction of somebody who committed a terrible crime. I look forward to hearing your questions. All right. Thank you, Dan. We appreciate that. And so I'm going to go back into the chat area now and see what questions we have. for uh, Christine for Crime Lab. Has thought been given to the idea of having a portable tent type structure that could be placed over the body of the deceased? Could this help in one, providing dignity to, to the deceased family and friends, two, help prevent evidence deterioration from rain or snow, three, help prevent onlooker gawking, and four, help prevent picture taking and Facebook posting of the deceased. Yes, that's what answer. Yes. Um, so, yes, we do have uh, both tents as well as screens. Um, each crime scene response van is equipped with a set of screens that can be deployed. Um, but the situation has to allow for that. Um, we do have to do certain documentation of the scene prior to being able to add anything. So it's very important for us to document the scene in its original condition. Um, and then as long as there is not evidence located in close proximity to the decedent, um, if the, the situation or space allows, then we do quite often actually deploy the screens um, to help with the um, onlookers, you know, viewing the decedent. Um, unfortunately, the picture taking and Facebook posting happens prior to us most of the time responding. Um, we are pretty much one of the last ones to respond to the scene. Um, you'll have officers for securing the scene, EMS. At that point, you normally have quite a few onlookers already gathering um, and then the de detectives will respond and then they request us so that unfortunately um, 
hopefully the screens help with that a little bit. Um, with the tents, the tents are very big structures, and um, we don't use the tents as often um, because the, it's a very big object to enter into and add into the scene. Um, but the screens we use very, very often. Thanks. <clears throat> Thanks, Christine. Appreciate it. Uh, next question uh, would be for Detective Gary Smith. Uh, can detectives use information from Crime Stoppers? And if so, what are the limitations? Yes and no. Um, we have to be careful with tips from Crime Stoppers uh, and treat them in, at least initially as uh, lead information. What we have to do uh, with that information is that we have to then go and investigate uh, further and try to corroborate that information to be true uh, and uh, develop evidence based off of that information that can be submitted to court. Um, so I, I always encourage anybody that's not, uh, that's, that has some reservations about coming in and being uh, an actual witness to a case to at least call Crime Stoppers and put that tip out there so that we have that information to work with and then hopefully can develop evidence based off of that tip. I will say sometimes uh, people do uh, sort of investigations of their own or they hear something uh, that is, you know, third or fourth hand information already and then they'll uh, send that tip in and then we pretty quickly know that it's not a good tip just based off of the physical inf or the uh, evidence and the information we already have. So, so yes, we can use um, tip information from the tip line as long as we can then corroborate that based off of the other evidence that we can find with the case. Great. Thank you. Um, next question is also for you, Gary, uh, and that is, uh, what should families of homicide victims do if they have questions about a case? Uh, well, the big thing is communication with the detective. Uh, usually you'll get uh, notification about what's happened if you, if you don't already know. And then once the detective is, you know, done the initial investigations, it's probably going to be the next day at the least, unless you're on the scene and the detective happens to talk to you there. Uh, once you've established that, that line of communication with the detective, uh, I always provide name, my phone numbers and my email address and everything like that. And you can always call or text. Now, as the investigation goes, especially early in the investigation, we may not have a lot of information for you, or we may be busy doing something that doesn't allow for us to, to answer your, your call right away. But you can always leave a message, send a text, shoot an email, and, and we'll try to get back with you as uh, often as possible. And then we also have protocols in place where uh, we have to stay in communication with the family uh, of the decedent throughout the investigation for quite a while so that they're at least kept up to date, even if that means letting them know there's not a lot of new information on investigation sometimes. Uh, but you can always reach out to a detective and hopefully get a response pretty quickly there thereafter. Stay with me here, Gary. Got another one for you. Uh, hmm. What are the most common reasons as to why shooting incidents are not solved? I harped on it quite a bit when I was doing my part of the presentation. And it's cooperation with witnesses. Um, I don't know how many times during an investigation where I know that someone knows what happened uh, and they just are unwilling. You know, one of the most frustrating things that I deal with as a detective is for a witness that I know knows what happened to tell me to do my job. Uh, I'm quite literally doing my job by trying to ask that witness what they what they saw uh, or, or, or heard. Um, so the, the answer to the question is cooperation from 
we need people that know the information that witness these things uh, and, and whatnot to come forward and talk to us to let us know and I think that we'd have a much higher success rate at figuring out who some of these people are and potentially bringing them to justice for what they've done if we had more cooperation from witnesses. So one more for you, Gary. Uh, and actually this one will probably be a tag team answer between you and uh, Christine. So the question is, shows like CSI seem to result in all crimes being solved. Why is that not the case in Indianapolis? How do you become a champion? I kind of actually refer to this as that, um, you know, a show like CSI is, is meant to be entertaining. Uh, the reality is, especially in situations like this, is there's nothing entertaining about it. Um, and, you know, in entertainment, you have to have a resolution. Uh, we'd love to have resolution in every one of our investigations, figure out who's responsible and then bring them to tr trial uh, so that they can be judged by a jury of their peers. Um, but it's unfortunately, you know, not always the case. And then also with CSI, you have some, um, some things portrayed on shows like that that aren't necessarily based in reality. Uh, so we might not have the ability to, you know, I've seen shows where they were able to see what the last image that, uh, the decedent saw based off of looking at the retina and a frozen image. That stuff's not real. So we don't, we don't have type of things in real life. I wish we did, uh, but they always have all the evidence that they need on those cases, and we don't always have that in, in our investigations. Great. Uh, Christine, would you like to add to that? Well, I think Gary answered that pretty thoroughly. Um, just like he said, the CSI TV show, it is meant to be entertaining. We do not have the technology that it portrays on the show. Um, and with all of the processing techniques that we do have, like I said in my my um, presentation, there are limitations. Um, we can do several different steps of chemical and physical processing, but there may just not be evidence there. Or, you know, the fingerprints that we are able to find, they might be swipes. They may not have the rich detail um, that you need for an identifiable print um, and just because there's an item on scene doesn't mean that there is DNA on the item we don't always find DNA and we can't always find prints and that's just the reality of true forensics great and Christine we have two more questions that will be specific to you okay. uh, so let me go with the first one and that is how do you apply for a crime lab job um, so you would apply when we do have job openings, it's through the city county HR website. Um, there is a search, I believe it's a search box. You can specifically check for the crime lab. And anytime we have a job posting that's open within the forensic lab, um, you will get a notification via email. And the follow up question to that is what qualifications do you need such as college? Okay, so you, we do require an undergraduate uh, undergraduate degree. Um, we do look for hard sciences, so biology, chemistry, microbiology. Uh, we do also look for, uh, there are several forensic programs out there now um, that we've had several applicants um, who just recently actually join us. Um, they have forensic degrees, IUPUI, U of I, they all have great forensic undergraduate degrees. Um, we can also look at criminal justice degrees, um, but it all comes down to experience too. So I'm um, doing internships, 
during your college career is very, very important to do. Um, so that sets you apart from other applicants. Great, thank you. Uh, so this next question would be for the prosecutor's office. Uh, Dan, if you're still with us, um, what is the criteria for filing homicide charges when there is no body found? So there isn't a there isn't a checklist, so to speak, in terms of what we're looking for when evaluating whether to file any any homicide charges, whether there is a body located or not. Uh, the evaluation is effectively: do we think that we can prove beyond a reasonable doubt the elements of murder? And murder is a a person knowingly killed another human being. If there is no body that has been located, that becomes a challenging portion of the of the trial. Uh, it's usually one of the more straightforward things to prove because that's not usually an issue when there is no body found. That that is just a more challenging inquiry. We don't file many of them. Uh, that's one part of it, and and part of that is because when uh, somebody is murdered, there is a lot of information that is learned. Uh, both from the scene where they were murdered or where they were transported to and from the autopsy. And sometimes that information is what tips the scales to permit us to file a case or to enable us to file a case. And without that information, sometimes we just find ourselves without adequate evidence uh, to be able to, to prove that beyond a reasonable doubt. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't have specifics. It's, it's Again, it's not a checklist. It's just can we prove all of these elements? And sometimes with Without the body, oftentimes there is just not enough information. There's not enough evidence for us to make that decision. And, and specifically in no-body cases, what is the rate for conviction in Indiana? That I do not know. Um, I do not. I do not know uh, about the other jurisdictions beyond Marion County, and I, I don't have that at my command right now. It's it's pretty rare that we would file a case like that, um, and. And part of the reason is how challenging it would be to prove a trial. Okay. Thank you, Dan. I have another question uh, that generally is talking about uh, lack of communication uh, from detectives uh, on cases. Um, and so let me just say that uh, uh, the number one complaint that the homicide branch historically uh, has received is a perceived lack of communication from detectives, uh, lead detectives on the case. Um, and there's many factors that play into that, but what I will tell you um, in uh, a general sense is that if you are experiencing that, uh, again, I'm going to give you, uh, it's in the chat, but, but uh, I'm going to verbally give you my email address. I want to know about those um, cases and we'll look into what the reality of the situation is, and uh, we'll, we'll get to the truth one way or the other. Um, and many times there's a lot of miscommunication and misunderstanding, and so I hope to be able to sift through that and, and make it so that everybody has uh, uh, a good outcome. So again, my email address is roger, R-O-G-E-R dot Spurgeon, S-P-U-R-G-E-O-N at Indy. Gov. And let me see if uh, we have some other questions here. While we're on that topic, can I say something real quick? Please. Uh, so as far as communicating with your detective, I always, one of the first things that I talk to 
once I've established who the family point of contact is going to be, is communication with me. Um, I'm pretty receptive, as I said before, about getting calls and text messages and responding to those as quickly as I can. Uh, but one thing that I always also talk about with the victims of, of the family members is that I, I leave the, uh, I give them the chance to decide whether or not they want to initiate the communication with me or whether or not they want me to initiate the communication with them. And the reason that I do that uh, is because Sometimes these cases don't get solved quickly, and sometimes, unfortunately, they don't get solved at all. So I don't want to contact a, a family member uh, that might be in a good place. A bit of time has passed. They've had time to process things. Uh, and calling them just to let them know that there's just nothing new on the case. Now I've potentially opened up that wound for them again when they were having a good day, and that may ruin their day, their week, or even longer. So one thing that I, you know, usually happens with my my family members is that they decide to be the one that initiates communication with me because they're in a headspace where they're uh, already thinking about it and they're willing to hear the answers that I have, even if that answer is that I don't have anything new. Um, for the for the family members uh, that aren't getting much communication with the detective keep trying to contact them i have some family members that never call me and they hear from me uh you know when i have to call them even if that's to give them no update but then i have some family members that you know contact me on a bi-weekly basis and i try to talk to them every time that i can so if you're not hearing from your detective one thing too is make sure you have a correct number a lot of times um, I've had family members that will call another number thinking that it's mine and leaving messages and that I'm never aware that they've left me messages. So just keep calling them, keep contacting them. And when you do talk to them, have that open discussion with your detective about how communication should go and what works best for you. Thanks, Gary. Uh, the next question would be for Coroner McGinty. Uh, and that is a two-part question. Um, is there a process in place for amendments to a coroner's report? And then specifically, if there is information that includes witness statements rather than just scientific data? Thank you for that question. Um, so our office does take significant time to gather all of the information, including witness statements, information from detectives, to determine that cause and that manner of death. If there is additional information that comes forward that can be presented to a detective or to our office, we will compile that information to determine if a cause of death or a manner of death should be changed. That does take meetings with the prosecutor, um, if necessary, or with um, a detective and with we have a group meeting with all of the forensic pathologists to determine what the opinion would be based on information that's presented to us that would allow us to confidently and comfortably change a uh, cause or a manner of death so we do heavily rely on uh, scientific evidence, medical um, information and opinions, um, historically medical information and diagnosis, um, and information that we have at the time to make that determination on the cause and manner of death. We have had cases where we have been able to change or amend the cause and or manner of death based on the amount of information that comes to us. It can't just simply uh, be just word of mouth information. It does have to be something that is going to be pretty relevant in 
uh, the ability for the forensic pathologist and our team to change the opinion on the cause and the manner of death. Thank you. So the next question is for Prosecutor Cicchini. Dan, when a witness comes forward and then is asked to testify, do the possible witnesses usually testify, or in today's world, do witnesses choose not to testify, fearing retaliation? That's a great question. Um, we do have a lot of individuals who do cooperate with us. They come to court, they come to depositions, uh, they stick with a case throughout the entire process, which can sometimes take years, uh, particularly right now, cases are taking a really long time to resolve. And yes, we have a lot of, a lot of folks who, who do that, who do the right thing. We also have a lot of individuals who decide that they do not want to testify. Uh, and there are only so many things that we can do to force somebody to come downtown. Uh, we can subpoena them, and sometimes that can result in, in judicial action in the court finding them in contempt if they continue to uh, not obey the subpoena. But that's not a great way to build a relationship with somebody. So what we always try to do is we, we try to be as open and as upfront as we can. We take every precaution that we can in terms of uh, witness information. Uh, it, when a witness is in any case, but especially in a murder case, we do not share with the defense the witness's address, uh, phone number, uh, other identifying information whenever possible. Uh, we keep that information confidential and that's because we want to make people feel comfortable and we want people to be safe. Uh, we also have resources if people are concerned about uh, retaliation or intimidation. We have resources, uh, as does victim assistance, to potentially uh, help people move, put people in a hotel if they're concerned for their immediate safety. We work with IMPD to increase patrols in a particular area if there are concerns about individual safety. Um, if people need to relocate, if people need help, we, we try to do that. Um, and whatever we can do to help people cooperate, to, to help people feel safe, that's what we try to do because so many times that is the barrier to us holding somebody accountable for killing somebody. Thanks, Sam. Uh, I've got a couple more questions uh, uh, referencing basically uh, uh, lack of responsiveness or uh, updates from uh, detectives on their cases. Who can we contact? Uh, uh, again, that goes back to me. Uh, if uh, uh, you feel like uh, your detective is not uh, responsive to your case, contact me directly, roger.spurgeon at indy.gov, and uh, we will do our best to figure out what the issue is. Um, let's see. So when it comes to some of those specific questions, specific cases, uh, those uh, will be an answered in another form uh, uh, via uh, email. Uh, if, if you have put something in here about your specific case, please, uh, please again, send that directly to me at my email address and we'll get it taken care of, but not in this uh, particular format. Captain. Yes. Uh, I had a couple of people send me messages directly rather than in the chat, and I've lost track of who sent those. Um, if they still need to ask those questions, could you ask them to type it in the chat so that they can be answered? OK, 
Okay. So as you heard, if you if you sent a private message to uh, Detective Smith, if you could put it in the chat so that uh, we'd be able to grab that and uh, answer that in this forum. Uh, so I have a question about uh, what is the Homicide Division's current caseload per detective? How does that compare to 10 years ago? I think it would be helpful for the victim's families to understand how much time is spent on one case. So as Detective Smith uh, has talked about, uh, uh, time spent on cases can vary greatly depending upon the circumstances and uh, evidence and cooperation and all those things that go into play with it. Uh, as far as uh, caseload per detective, uh, last year I think we had about, uh, it was uh, eight to nine homicide cases per detective uh, for the year, which uh, on face value that may not sound like a lot, uh, but uh, that's well above the uh, FBI uh, national uh, best practices standard. Uh, for how many um, homicide cases a homicide lead detective should have. Uh, we're currently working on that. The department is uh, uh, doing its best to uh, juggle our resources internally, and uh, we're actually making progress in being able to have more people assigned to be homicide detectives to be able to bring that caseload down. So uh, we, are, we are seeing light at the end of the tunnel in, in regards to that. Um, see what the next one is uh, how old does your loved one's case have to be before it goes into cold case and if it does uh, who contacts the family and lets them know that it was put in cold case so um, there at the moment uh, we don't have a particular time limit uh, that is that a case is uh, uh, a judge to be cold. It's basically uh, whether or not all of the probative leads have been followed uh, on the case, and uh, that can be a wide range of, uh, of time periods. Uh, and then when detectives leave, whether they get another assignment in the department or they retire, um, uh, typically then those cases are reassigned to uh, either another detective on their squad or in the cold case unit. So um, that. What I can tell you about that is uh, uh, this year we are uh, doing a, uh, a more of a microscopic look at the uh, cold case unit and how uh, we operate that unit, and uh, I believe that we're going to have some some changes in regards to that uh, that's going to be a positive both for the detectives in the unit as well as the community at large. So uh, what I'd say is that's a work in progress right now. Um, if your case is a cold case, can you have your child's belongings? That's uh, a good question, um, and uh, the unfortunate answer would be no. Uh, the reason is that uh, homicide cases, if they're not solved, they're never closed, and <clears throat> there's a possibility that um, that case could be brought to trial uh, someday. Uh, and in order to do that, we actually need those things that uh, have been held as evidence uh, uh, months or years down the road. Uh, those, those items could be critical to uh, helping to prove the case, and I believe that uh, uh, Prosecutor Cicchini could probably uh, add to that. In fact, uh, Dan, would you like to say anything more reference uh, evidence like that? Yes, thank you. Uh that is a 
that is a frustrating reality uh, of this process when we're meeting with uh, family members and next of kin. Usually that's one of the, the top questions that we get is, is when can we have our loved one's possessions back? And because we don't necessarily know how that evidence, how that, how that article of clothing, cell phone, wallet, whatever it may be, we don't necessarily know how that's going to fit the case. Uh, testing will not have been done. And in a situation where you have a cold case, uh, the technology that existed at the time that the murder occurred versus the technology that could exist at the time the case is filed, that could be 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. The kind of forensic testing and the kind of information that we might be gathered from that could be hugely different. And if we parted with that evidence, however satisfying and helpful it might be to the grieving process, we may inadvertently and unknowingly shut the door to a successful prosecution down the line. So it, it is, that is why uh, every piece of evidence is important, and it's not until we have that guilty verdict back from the jury that, that I would be comfortable releasing any kind of, infer, uh, any kind of evidence like that. Thanks, Dan. Uh, Detective Smith, uh, another question for you. How hard is it to become a homicide detective, or what does IMPD look for in potential detectives? Um, well, I guess that just sort of depends on uh, the, the career path that you do as a police officer. Um, I always encourage young officers to have uh, ambition to become a homicide detective. It's always uh, put in for as much training as early and as often as possible. Um, at the time that I joined the homicide unit, uh, as far as schooling goes, I was just a high school graduate. I have since received my degree in criminal justice, uh, but I spent a couple of years, uh, I spent about seven years on the street uh, and did various trainings, uh, going to different detective schools, narcotic, narcotics detective school, and basic detective school, and things like that, before joining the robbery and aggravated assault unit, uh, where I learned to become a detective. And then based off of that, I moved over to homicide unit years ago uh, so it, it really just depends on uh, your training and your background uh, but always I encourage young, young officers to get as much training on board as they can and to, to see and be involved with as much as they can in order to uh, better prepare themselves should this be something that they want to try to do during their career Gary another question uh, completely different topic uh, and that is uh, do you, as a homicide detective, uh, look at uh, cameras on houses or businesses? Yes, quite frequently, actually. Uh, I talked about earlier, we do something called a canvas, where we go door-to-door, uh, -door, knocking on people's door to see if they witnessed anything, but also to see if they might have on their home or their business uh, that might have uh, captured something that would be helpful in the investigation. Oh, yes. I do. Okay. Um, so another question came in, can a homicide detective work a crime scene as the victim is someone that they know personally? And uh, while we don't have uh, an in writing uh, prohibition of that, that is something that we would very much uh, uh, try to not allow to happen uh, because there would certainly be uh, potentially emotions involved, conflict of interest, etc. Um, but uh, uh, if there would be any way possible, there, there is no way that we would allow somebody to uh, to work a case of somebody that the uh, detective personally knew. Um, so some other questions here is, uh, 
As far as uh, contacting about a cold case, uh, that would be me. Uh, how does a cold case get reopened? Uh, they're never closed. Uh, so um, it's uh, just a matter of uh, further investigation. If there are things that uh, can be followed up on, if anybody has information that uh, uh, are potential leads that uh, maybe haven't been pursued, yet new things that have come up, uh, please contact me. I'll get it to the appropriate detective uh, for them to uh, do a follow-up if that is appropriate in the case. Um, <clears throat> due to the increase in homicides, what additional actions are being taken to prevent future happenings? So the department as a whole, and, and I, you know, there may be the others uh, uh, on this uh, chat that may want to uh, ring in as far as uh, uh, staff above me are concerned, but uh, I do know that uh, uh, our department, uh, the, the number one goal for the department is to uh, try to prevent violence. And uh, in operations, uh, which is the uniform part of our department, and investigations, which is uh, what we're a part of, uh, we're all geared towards trying to prevent uh, violence. From the investigation side, it's to be able to hold people accountable when the cases have happened. From the operation side, the uniform side, is trying to prevent it in the first place. And uh, there have been many, many different ways in which uh, uh, we are all trying to do that. Um, we're, our leadership is constantly looking at best practices from around the country and developing our own best practices. So. Um, this is something that this violence, unfortunately, that uh, we've experienced, uh, especially in the last year, uh, is not just an Indianapolis problem. It's a nationwide problem. Uh, we're all struggling with uh, trying to find better ways in order to um, assist in those things. Uh, uh, one thing to think about is that it's also not only a police problem. Uh, these are things that uh, uh, there are many factors in our society that uh, lead people to uh, make decisions to become involved in violent acts. And so we need the entire community to help us uh, in regards to trying to give people better coping skills to make different decisions and better decisions that don't harm other people. We're talking about the homicide rate. So uh, for the Marion County Prosecutor's Office, uh, the question is, why are there so many plea deals? Uh, seems like the deals are made and the perpetrator is back on the street to reoffend time after time. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, there are times and there are cases where we have to resolve it in a way that we're not happy about and that we'd rather we not do. Sometimes we charge an offense that at the time we charge it, we are confident that we can prove that case beyond a reasonable doubt, and then things change. One of the biggest hurdles that we have, um, you probably won't be surprised to hear it after the conversation tonight, is witness cooperation. When we file a case and it is an armed robbery, for example, many times that is because uh, we have an individual who is able to identify the robber, to identify the person who committed this crime against them. And sometimes that's the only evidence we have for identification. Uh, if it wasn't caught on video, if there isn't communication in a cell phone about it, if someone else didn't happen to see this happen, then we rely very heavily on the witness's involvement and participation. 
and there are circumstances where without that we simply can't I'll proceed. Do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll that's do a big it, reason why it. we end up uh, offering plea agreements in certain okay. cases. We try not to, but that's why we offer plea agreements in certain cases where uh, it's a lesser offense or it's a it's a sentence that is lower than what we would want, and it's because we just didn't have the evidence to prove the charge that we thought we could uh, and that we probably could with the cooperation and assistance of uh, 